done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Hey crew, welcome along to a special edition of the Howie Games, celebrating the life of Shane Keith Warne. Like much of Australia, I woke to the news on Saturday morning that Shane had suffered a heart attack in Thailand and had passed. And no doubt, like many of you listening now, I couldn't believe it. I still don't, really, to be honest. I always thought Shane was bulletproof, that he was invincible. But obviously he wasn't. Shane was a much-loved member of many groups of people, one of them being Fox Cricket. My boss, Steve Crawley, the great man, rang me at about 7.30am on Saturday morning and asked me to fly to Sydney to help out with the tribute show they were putting together to celebrate the life of Shane. What you're about to listen to is the audio component of that special, courtesy of the team at Fox Cricket. They are wonderful people. It's a brilliant place to work. And how good they are is evidenced by the fact they're letting me play you the entire show now on the podcast. Thanks to all the people who have messaged me on social to say they enjoyed the show when it was live on Fox Cricket on Saturday afternoon. To the boss, Steve Crawley Crawls, Matty Weiss, the buzzard, Brad McNamara, old mate Jimmy Lockyer and his bad mate Mitchie Diffin, to Roe Carroll, Scotty McIntosh, and the rest of the team who pull this together in less than 12 hours, you are the best sports production team going around and you are what makes working at Fox so bloody good. Those that you'll hear from, Mark Taylor, Kerry O'Keefe, Big Roy Andrew Simons, James Erskine, Shane's long-term manager, David Warner from Pakistan, the great Alan Robert Border, Brett Lee, Matai Muralitter and Ravi Shastri, Wasim Akram, Michael Vaughan, Adam Gilchrist, Ishigua and Ian Healy, they all spoke so well about their mate Shane. I don't know how they did it, but they did. So does Shane. This is the tricky bit because I do not want to make this about me. That's the last thing I want to do. It's about warning. But I do want to tell you about the Shane Warne that you may not know. I don't want to pretend that Shane was my best mate and we spoke daily on the phone. We didn't. But for the last five years, I've spent every summer with Shane from the start of December till halfway through February. On air, obviously, which you hear if you're listening to Fox Cricket, but also off air. So hour after hour chatting in the back of the commentary box when you're not actually on air, in taxis and Ubers on the way to the ground, on planes to the next test match in the Qantas Club when there's delays at dinner. Not that Shane, (laughs) not that the King would turn up to dinner very often, but that's a story I'll get to before we get to the show. Your workmates over summer become, in many ways, it's weird, they become your de facto family. You're in each other's pockets so much, so you get to know a fair bit about them and you end up having some pretty deep conversations about life because you're spending so much time together. So I want to tell you about the shame one that I know or knew. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to say new, but yeah, the shame one that I knew. So, Warney, I grew up watching him on telly, like many of you. When Shane was bowling, I was watching. You just had to watch when Warney was bowling. I clearly remember age 16 in the Lake Entrance Caravan Park playing pool with the Shepherd Boys, watching Warney on Channel 9 with Bill and Richie and Tony and Ciappelli, and he took seven for 52 against the West Indies, that flipper zoop, that knocked over Richie Richardson. He just looked stunned. And we were like, who's this bloke? How good was he? What's he all about? He was a cricketing rock star and from then on you had to follow him. And then through the really weird thing that is life, Shane became a workmate and then a mate. And it's bizarre. It's bizarre for me. 
Because on one hand, in your mind, he's that bloke that you absolutely loved on the telly, and now you're sitting beside him commentating on a test match. And trust me, you do. You look to your side occasionally and you think, geez, it's Warney. Say something sensible. It's Warney. You remember him when you were in the caravan park and then you're sitting beside him. So it is bizarre. So some things you may not have known about Warney that I got to know about him. One, he was exceedingly, exceedingly polite. He would, he had this great gift or he worked on it, I'm not sure which, to remember names of people that he met in passing. So the lady on the media door at the Adelaide Oval or the bloke in the lift at the MCG, g'day, Bob, g'day, Carol, how are you going? And when he would use their name, you could see it made their day. It was like, wow. Warney said hello and he knew my name. And it made those people 10 feet taller because Shane Warne had made the effort to remember their name. He made people feel good about themselves. It's the little things that he did like that. Warney wanted people to succeed, which used to be a massive part of the Australian character. I hope we hold on to that part of the Australian character. He said to me a couple of years ago, mate, back yourself more. You've been doing this cricket commentary long enough. You're one of ours. Get your opinion out there. And I said, mate, I'm not not one of you blokes. I play local C-grade cricket. If I'm going well, if I'm not going well, I'm with the superstars in D-grade. So nobody cares about my opinion. My role is just to call the ball. Stuff that, H. He used to call me H. Stuff that, H. The more strings you've got to your bow, the more employable you are, the more money you get paid. So have a crack. And that was Warney. He wanted you to do well. He wanted to see you improve. Didn't matter what you did or what you were in his life. He just wanted to see people succeed, which was really, really cool. What did he love? Okay, i tell you what he loved from where I sat. He loved attack. Whether it was cricket or AFL or whatever sport you're watching on the telly with him, he wanted teams and players to attack, attack, attack. So it was the cricket. Declare. You're enough in front. Declare. Declare. Bring the spinner on. Bring the field in. Silly mid on. Silly mid off. Get more players around the bat. Attack, attack, attack. And I reckon that's why another thing he loved, another person he loved was Mark Waugh. He loved Junior because Junior attacked when he played cricket all the time, whether he was bowling spin, bowling pace, whether he was batting, he was always attacking. So he would sit with Junior in the back of the commentary box when they weren't on air, and if Shane didn't rate the bowler, and there's a few that he didn't rate, he'd just say out of the corner of his mouth, June, you'd smash this bloke. You would smash this bloke, June. And June would look at him and just say, you're right, Warney, and then start laughing about it. And they would talk about that for hours. He loved his kids and his family, his mum and dad and his brother, but to Shane... I don't know if people truly understand that his kids were everything to him, as they are for most of us, but his conversations would always come back to Brooke and Summer and Jackson and what they were up to, what he'd been doing with them, what successes they were having. He was just a dad pumping up his kids, not in an obnoxious way, not in a pushy way. He just loved his kids and he wanted to talk about them. But he would then ask you about your kids. And he found out this summer that my son had started bowling leg spin. He said, mate, let's get a time. We'll get down to the Junction Oval and we'll get the Penguin there and I'll give him a few tips. And you knew he meant it and I didn't follow up so it didn't happen and now it won't happen. Yeah, it's something I regret that I didn't make that happen. But that was Warney. If you'd rung him, he would have said, right, let's do it. Let's do it before this next big bash game. He loved food, the king. (laughs) You've probably heard stories about food and Shane. He loved food but there are only certain types. And I don't know how many meals I've seen him have at Test Match Cricket or One Days or T20s, a lot. But these next foods or groups of foods or types of foods are the only things I've seen him eat. 
ham and pineapple pizza, but no mushrooms. No mushrooms allowed anywhere near the pizza because they ruin it, mate. You can't put mushrooms on pizza, they ruin it. He would eat pies and sausage rolls, but they had to be covered in sauce. His specialty, well, he had two specialties. A chip sandwich with about two centimetres of butter coated on it and the chips stuffed in had to be white bread or a white roll. He loved lasagna. His real specialty actually was a lasagna sandwich with two centimetres of butter. So you imagine white bread, two centimetres of butter and thick piece lasagna all squashed in. His favourite saying was, mate, I love lasagna more than Garfield the cat loves lasagna. He'd say it with a grin on his face. Michael Vaughan loved it when he used to do that, when he'd have his lasagna sandwiches. But Warney was rarely seen in a restaurant. And if he was, he wouldn't eat in the restaurant because he'd eat before or after. Not to be different or make a statement or say, I'm Shane Warren, I'm not going to eat in this restaurant. It was because he liked what he liked and he knew what he didn't like and he didn't care what anyone else thought. And that was one of the great things about Shane. He was his own man. I think that's why he was loved because he didn't pretend to be anything else. Even when things went wrong in his life, he'd admit to them. And he wouldn't make excuses. He would just say, that's me. I I think that's one of the really endearing things about him. He liked to take his own clothes to work. He was quite particular. Wanted his pants to fit perfectly rather than use what the wardrobe provided. He thought that he was paid to offer an opinion, not sit on the fence. I'm not here to sit on the fence. I'm paid to offer my opinion, so I'm going to offer my opinion, mate. He loved Bruce Springsteen. He loved Bruce Springsteen. He loved 80s music, but he hated doof-doof music. I don't get it. I don't get that music. You can't sing to it. You can't dance to it. What's the point? He also, he used to roll them off. Don't rate dancing sober. Don't rate holding hands. Don't rate the third new ball. Don't rate people not living up to their potential. That was a big one. He wanted people to live up to their potential. And just behind his family, Warney loved his mates. We all love our mates, but Warney loved his mates and he was fiercely loyal. And I reckon that was my favourite thing about the king was his loyalty. That and his manners. He was always so polite. Manners cost nothing. Manners cost nothing. My parents used to tell me, manners cost nothing, mate. If you spoke against one of Warney's team, you therefore spoke against Warney, and therefore Warney would come after you. He was fiercely protective of his mates. But if you were on Warney's team, you were invincible because you knew he would do anything for one of his mates. He'd help them physically, emotionally, financially, whatever was required. Ask any one of Warney's mates, and I think you'll hear a lot of these stories over the next couple of weeks, and they'll all be able to tell you a story that starts with, mate, he blew me away when he did such and such for me. Okay, I need to get on with it, don't I? If you want to skip forward at this point, go for your life, but... I'm going to take up a bit more time of yours and tell you my favourite Warney memory. So a couple of years ago at the Boxing Day test, Fox Cricket organised for Warney and Rashid Khan to be out in the middle of the MCG and do a spin, leg spin masterclass because Warney had found out that Rashid had never been on the MCG, hadn't played there. The greatest leg spinner of all time, the greatest T20 leg spinner we have ever seen, Rashid Khan, Shane Warne. They joined each other last night in coming spinner. Disturbing news came to light that Rashid Khan had never bowled on the MCG. So the king of the MCG, Shane Warne, said, we need to do something about that, Rash. Great to see you again. Firstly, what are your thoughts being out in the middle of the mighty MCG? Absolutely. I think amazing to be here. It's amazing. It's beautiful, I think. Well, we've told Cricket Australia. Yes. Next year, Melbourne Stars, Adelaide Strikers, Rashid Khan right here in the MCG. It all happened. So it was all organised that I would go out on the ground with them and basically steer them through it. But before we got out on the MCG, we're going down in the lift and we've got our suits and ties on and our boots. And Warnie's said to me, H, I need to warm up the shoulder. My shoulder's stuffed. I don't want to make a fool of myself. So he had two balls 
and there's an underground car park at the MCG near the rooms where you go up a race. He's like, right, you stand, cricket pitch away, and I'll bowl a few to you. So then in he comes, creaks the shoulder over, rolls down a leg spinner. It spins 50 centimetres. He's like, oh, I'm getting better. Four balls later, he's spinning off straight concrete with an old cricket ball, leg spinners, a metre. And I'm wicket-keeping at this stage to Shane Warne. I'm gilly and heels. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. And then Rashid Khan, the little wizard from Afghanistan, comes down and he's watching Shane with awe in his eyes. He's like, you can bowl quite slow, Shane. And Shane says, well, show me what you do. And then I'm still keeping at this point. Well, backstop. And Rashid Khan whizzes in. You think, why don't people come down the wicket to Rashid Khan? Well, it's because it's like coming down the wicket to your medium fast bowler at club cricket. That's how fast he bowls. And then he's bowling these wrong ones that spin a metre and a half. So then Warney's like, well, I can spin mine further than that. So they're having a spin-off. And then Shane being Shane says, hey, Rash, H fancies himself as a leg spinner. I'm like, no, no, I don't. He said, yeah, you try and bowl leg spinner. No, 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 no. So he said, bowl some back to us. So then I have the ball <laughs> and I'm trying to bowl a leg spinner back to the greatest leg spinner of all time and the greatest T20 leg spinner of all time, Shane Warner and Rashid Khan. And mine is spinning, you know. 10 centimetres, and they're laughing, and Warney's saying, do this, and Rashid's saying, no, do this, do this. We went out in the MCG, and that's what Warney could do. He'd just make you feel amazing, and I'll never forget being in the car park at the MCG with him while he was bowling leg spin. It's a memory I, I really, really cherish. Shane has appeared on this podcast, so go back and listen to episode 63, and you'll hear Shane in his own words, episode 63. Actually, I'll play the start of that chat right now because the first 20 seconds, it tells you everything you need to know about Shane. Shane Warne, I've been excited about this episode. It's great to see you, mate. Welcome along. I'm really, really thankful that you could spend some time with us. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's been an ambition of mine on the bucket list to oh, yeah. uh, uh, be on the Howie Games, mate. I've been listening to a lot of them. They've been outstanding. So um, I hope I can be one of many people that have come on that people find interesting. Um, so thanks for having me. See what I mean? He's polite. Thanks for having me. First thing he says, but then he's cheeky and taking the piss. I've been on my bucket list to come on this show for however long, which it wasn't, but, you know, that's Shane. But then he was kind and pumping me up to relax me, to make me feel good, which is what he liked doing to people by saying, I've been listening to a lot of these. They've been outstanding. Yeah, I'm sure he hadn't, but he was making me feel good. So that 20 seconds is Shane in a nutshell. To the Warren family, much love and condolences. I don't think anyone can appreciate what you're going through at the moment. To Shane, like so many, I was just a fan, but I was privileged to have some pretty good seats to the Warney show. You were one of a kind, mate, and like so many, I can't believe you're not here any longer. Peace and love, mate. Alrighty. Thanks to Fox Cricket. Here's the Shane Warne tribute. Australia awoke this morning to the devastating news of the passing of one of our favourite sons, Shane Keith Warne. Warney, Warney as he was known to many people, tragically passed away overnight in Thailand, Australian time after suffering a heart attack. Shane was many, many different things to many, many different people. For the average Australian, he was a cricketing superstar, a man that played the game like no other. He was a rock star on the field. When Australia needed something, Shane was the man to supply it. But away from that, he was a loving, loving father, a fellow you could not talk to without him talking about his kids, Brooke, Jackson and Summer, and our thoughts are with them and all the Warren family today. 
And then to his mates, he was the most loyal, loyal person you could ever meet. If you were ever in a tight spot, you could ring Shane and he would get on the phone to someone and sort something out. He was extremely loyal, he was extremely warm, and he would always stop for a selfie and ask a youngster about how their cricket was going. That is the real Shane Warne. Over the next couple of hours, we're going to speak to all sorts of people connected to Shane, some friends of Shane and some people very close to Shane. But firstly, we can't start without hearing from Shane talking about his favourite ground in his favourite place. That's the MCG in Melbourne, a place that Shane absolutely loved. The sounds of summer. We all have favourite sounds, don't we? Like the laughter of kids playing on the beach. Christmas holidays, how good. The sizzle of the barbie. Yep, and the roar of a huge crowd. I've been coming here with mates to the MCG on Boxing Day since 1982. Pretty much since I could get myself here. Just four years after the great Alan Robert Border made his test debut here. Border showing pretty good judgment in this is first test innings. And when I got my first big test haul at the G in 92. Seven for against the Windies. AB was still out there scoring hundreds. Just a wonderful, wonderful man. So many of my Fox cricket teammates have excelled here at the Boxing Day Test. 1977, history, Kerry O'Keefe and the centenary test. Skull had to open the batting in the second knock when Rick McCosker suffered this broken jaw. Then Kerry took three wickets in the second dig for Australia to win by 45 runs. A repeat of the first test in 1877. Wow, can you believe it? You've got to love Skull. <laughs> And Brett Lee, on his test debut, takes a fifer. A wicket in his first ever test over. That's pretty cool. Brett Lee has brought the MCG alive. Adam Gilchrist was also out there. Gilly's first MCG test. Scoring the way he always would with the bat. And taking this catch for Binger's second wicket. Got it! The 2002 Ashes, Michael Vaughan, Vaughan, 145 for England in the second dig, and still we let him into Fox cricket. Well, just. Huss, we all know him as Mr Cricket, stole the show in 2005. This ton went batting with Pigeon in that famous last wicket stand. And there was my 700th here in 2006. Bad day at the office, that one. Today, the Ashes return to the mighty MCG. The Boxing Day Test, Australia versus England. Root, Stokes, and oh yeah, Butler. I'll get you, Butler. Brilliant, Josh Butler! Up against Cummins, Smith, and a new number one batsman in the world. The very vocal, Marcus Labuschagne. Oh! There'll be lots of laughter and roars amid the sounds of summer. Of history in the making, right here on Fox Cricket. That was Shane, a man in love with the MCG's impersonations of Tony Gregg. I'm joined 
by Kerry O'Keefe and Mark Taylor, former captain and a, a fellow strange leg spinner in Kerry O'Keefe. And before we get stuck into it uh, and talk about how we're feeling about today, Kerry, you can just imagine him saying, oh, it's going to be raining in Sydney. Luckily, you're at the MCG, oh, the sun will be shining. Oh. Hated coming to Sydney because <laughs> of the weather, but loved the MCG. It, it, it's a sad day, but we're here to celebrate Shane as well. We are indeed, Howie and Tubby. Good afternoon to you both. Uh, the thing at Richie Berno, the great Richie Berno once said, don't, don't ever use the word tragedy in a cricket mm. commentary situation. Mm. Today is a tragedy, mate. Mm. Uh, we've lost one of our finest ever we at have, 52. We have, far too soon. Tub, you wake up to the news this morning. Oh, to be frank, I still expect Shane appears and says it was all a joke. That's how raw it is still at this stage. Just a, a shock for you and all your teammates and, and the country. Absolutely. And it's only sticking in. Uh, the longer this day goes on, I, I think my phone, like every other cricketer who was lucky enough to play with Warney, uh, if you're really lucky like me, you got to captain him. Um, it, it's sinking in slowly. And just listening to you do that... Um, Terrific opening. I thought that was fantastic. Um, it's starting to sink in even more now for me. My phone has been running hot today. I've been, intervie been interviewed by everyone, which is my job these days. Yeah. Um, and it's now starting to sink in that I've lost one of my great mates from the game of cricket. Um, a guy, yeah, we shared some great moments on the field, but just shared some special moments off it as well. Um, uh, I love talking cricket with Warney. I just love being around him because even though he moved in a stratosphere that I didn't necessarily move in and some of his mates were the guys that, you know, are household names to everyone, not just cricketers, um, he was still the guy that I met many years ago in the early 90s, around about 1990, 91, just that knock-around guy who loved his AFL, loved the beer, loved the fag, um, just enjoyed life and that's the way he, he lived his life. And... I'm deeply saddened uh, that I'm not going to see him again. Um, and I just spoke to AB not that long ago and, and we share that sentiment. We'll speak to Alan Border shortly amongst all sorts of other guests. I know he always said that you were his favourite captain, uh, Mark. When did you first meet him, Kerry? <laughs> I met him at the, the Cricket Academy in Adelaide, uh, I think late 80s, early 90s. And I addressed some spinners first day of a week and he sat in the front row um, reeking of, of nicotine. <laughs> and he listened to my 20-minute delivery on wrist spin and he said to David Friedman, the left-arm spinner next to him, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> and Freddie Friedman said, it gets better. <laughs> but, and it did, Warney listened. But the great thing about him was that he took 708 test wickets, I took 53, but he treated me as an equal and he treated a lot of mm. people as an equal. That was a thing. When he didn't worry who, what your accomplishment at the game was or in life was, if he liked you, he liked you and he respected you. I think that's a perfect summation. We're lucky enough now to have a chat with Shane's long-term manager, James Erskine. They've been together for a long, long time. They've been through a lot together, James. We appreciate your time. Condolences with you and everyone associated with Shane this morning. Firstly, for those that are joining us for the first time, can you just let us know exactly from your understanding what occurred overnight in Thailand? Well, I got a phone call at uh, 10.37 last night um, from uh, our, our guy in Melbourne, a guy called Andrew Neofutis, who was actually with Shane um, in Thailand. Uh, Shane had sort of decided that he was going to have three months off. In fact, he wanted a year off. And I said, there's no way you can have a year off. They'll have forgotten you by a year. So he decided to have three months off. And, and this was just the start of it. And he, they'd only arrived the day before, the night before. 
And then suddenly, um, uh, you know, he he was obviously, they were going to have a drink at five o'clock or go and have meet someone and go for a drink at five o'clock. And, and Neo knocked on his door uh, at 5.15 because Warney's always on time. And then what happened was um, he, he went in there and said, come on, we're late, you're going to be late. And then realised that um, something was wrong and uh, turned him over, gave him CPR mouth to mouth. That was lasted about 20 minutes. Then obviously the ambulance came. Uh, they took him to the hospital, which was about a 20 minute drive. And within, I suppose, uh, and I'm not totally on their time frame, but I got a phone call probably 45 minutes later saying that um, uh, he was pronounced dead. James, being so close to him and getting that news firsthand, you were the person that had to contact friends and family. That must have been extremely difficult, and I presume you're still in shock like the rest of us. Well, you know, it's like all these things. You, you sort of work on adrenaline. I mean, um, you're not much help to anyone if you don't, you know, you're, you're sort of a blithering mess. But I, I'm very, my mind works sort of quite sort of clinically, you know, I mean, in the sense of, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, talking to Keith last night and, you know, discuss, you know, when his son was dead and then he was going to go and see the three children and talking to Brooke and to Jackson. Uh, and I actually obviously... Was, was not going to tell them that their mother, their, their father was dead, but he wasn't at that stage pronounced dead. But I said, look, it looks pretty grim. And then um, Simone had gone to pick up the youngest child um, and Summer, and uh, we then called Simone and said, listen, you know, um, you better tell them that when you're all together that um, you know, Shane has passed away. So it was, it was pretty, it, it's one of these things that, you know, someone said, to me today that someone is larger than life you don't expect them to die and I, I i think that's probably a very very good analogy is is that you don't expect someone to die you don't expect someone to die at 52 years you don't expect shane Warne to die um because he was a, an extraordinary human being um you know, he had a huge regard, uh, Mark, for you. I mean, I, the number of times uh, he would have said to me how marvellous you were, what a great captain you were. You know, we lived all through that one, that, well, it wasn't wonderful, but that 98, sort of what I call the cricket, what was to turn the cricket wars, et cetera. And, you know, going back on all these things, but Shane was quite interesting. Although he was very opinionated and, you know, with for Shane, it was black and white. It, there were... In life, most of us know there's a thousand shades of grey in the middle, but it wasn't for Shane. He was very black and white, and that was part of his success. But at the end of the day, he could have an opinion and criticise somebody. You know, uh, I mean, Mitchell Stark right now, if Mitchell's listening to this, you know, he basically gave you some curry before the last Ashes test. And that was his opinion. So I actually said to him, I said, you know, well, you were wrong about Mitchell Stark. And he said, well, you know what? I probably was, but... I think I probably helped him get better. And it's sort of interesting. That's the way his mind works. Um, I think he's just a, just a, an extraordinary bloke. He, with all the fame, and you've done such a wonderful tribute on Fox. I mean, I've been watching a lot of it, um, you know, and it's, it, it is quite extraordinary. But I think a lot of the things that uh, – the great thing about Shane Warne, he could talk to the Queen of England and a dustbin, a dustbin man exactly the same way. And that was his great ability. And, you know, in fact, I could almost bet that he'd actually persuade the Queen to help him take out his dustbins. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was that sort of character. 
Yeah. And he loved children. I mean, he was the most extraordinary. I mean, a couple of stories. I mean, uh, I was in Positano, which is in the Malfi Coast in Italy. And a little boy, a guy called Oscar, who was then seven or eight years old, uh, came up to me and uh, I was talking, we were having a, uh, not he wasn't having a beer, but I was having a beer with his parents who I'd never met. I would just happen to be there. And he told me he was a leg spinner. So I said to him, I said, oh, well, you know, have you ever met Shane Warne? He said, no, but he's my hero. So I picked up my phone and the time difference was 10 hours uh, from Positano. They were 10 hours ahead, Australia. And I phoned up Shane when he picked up the phone. I said, mate, I've just got an eight-year-old fan sitting in the square in Positano. <laughs> they have a chat to him. So he did. And uh, he said, uh, and this guy was very, he was a very confident eight-year-old and he knew all the stats. I mean, he could tell you exactly how many runs Mark Taylor had made and this and that. It was quite extraordinary. And Shane said to him, listen, get your father to film you back from, you know, uh, side on and from the back, and I'll critique you and see if we can make sure you get into the first 15, uh, first 11. And that was basically it. And that's the sort of guy he was. It's a great description. And as you said, you just don't expect a guy like Shane Warne to be no longer with us. James, we appreciate your time. No doubt it's going to be a very, very difficult um, and busy time for you. Thanks for sharing with us some of the thoughts on Shane. Cheers, James. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. And is James Erskine, Shane's manager for a long, long time. We now get the opportunity to go to Pakistan. The Australians are getting ready for day two of the first test match in Pakistan. And we're lucky enough to have David Warner with us. David, we appreciate your time on the morning of the test match. Firstly, how did you find out about the news about Shane? Yeah, look, um, I found out uh, from, from James um, after everyone had been notified, his family, and uh, just before it, it got out, we, we spoke to the... The guys and uh, yeah, we're in the in the bus ready to to come back to the hotel and um, everyone just absolutely gobsmacked. There was silence in the in the um, in the cars and uh, yeah, came back and I think just like anyone that you lose, that's just like you're part of your family. You look at the tributes that are coming out around the world. Um, we raised a glass and we we shared some great memories of our stories and stories about uh, Shane and. And what he did for, for cricket and world cricket in general. Yeah, it doesn't seem real in many ways, Dave, when you think about it. I think it's still a shock to everybody. Tell me a Shane Warne story yourself, whether it was you growing up watching him or when you uh, found your way onto the international scene. He, he's touched everybody in Australian cricket, it seems. Yeah, he has. And uh, from my um, personal uh, stories is basically I had I had worn his poster on my wall um, like every other young cricketing kid um, you know I just grew up wanting to be like Shane uh, I started my journey um, bowling like him batting middle order and through 17s 19s um, tried to replicate everything that Warney did um, with his action um, I, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen uh, my action alongside his um, and I just wanted to be like like Shane um, from a bowling front, and uh, you know I, I think the special the special memories that I remember with um, you know Shane's playing days is is I think 2001 I think there was a it was probably going to be a draw with Australia both teams um, England and Australia got 500. I remember Warney going for 150 um, in his first in the first innings he took one wicket and then 
he changed it um, in the second innings and took four for, I think, 40 off 36, 37 overs and, and changed that game dramatically. And England were bowled out for 120. And we all know when he got 99 against England in 2001 or two, I think it was, and everyone stirs him up about Daniel Vittori bowling a no ball. So, you know, they're, they're, they're little small memories of, um, you know, watching him, um, you know, on TV. And obviously being being um, in a privileged position to learn from from Shane, being in and around the group and obviously the commentary box, just the knowledge he had of the game. It's you know, nothing would be happening out in the middle and he would say a few things to a couple of us and, um, you know, would, would implement that, um, you know, the next day or in the next game and things just panned out and worked. He just he just knew the game so well. Um, as I said, he was... He was loved by every single person um, in the world that, that knows the cricket, uh, the game of cricket, and people who don't know the game of cricket. Um, well, I just, just can't believe it. he's uh, he's gone. Yeah, it's a great answer, Dave. We really appreciate your time. We know you need to go. Best of luck for day two, and thanks for sharing some of your memories with us about the great man warning. Cheers, Howie. Great to hear from David Warner. And that is Shane. Who else makes 99? You're in commentary that day and gets caught on the fence trying to hit a six for his first test century. Absolutely. And and uh, Kerry said earlier about Richie Benno not liking the use of the word tragedy yep. or, or, or something as tragic in cricket. Today is a tragedy, no doubt about that. But I actually said, calling that game, sitting next to Richie Benno, I said something on the lines of, this is a tragedy that Warney's out for 99 or tragically falls for 99 and looked over to Richie, who was supposed to then pick up commentary and add his flavour to my call, which I, was, I thought was pretty good. <laughs> Richie said nothing. <laughs> and I got the director in my ear saying, Dubby, throw to the break, throw, do something. So I threw to the break. <laughs> Next day, Richie gave me the, the letter, the little, a little bit of a card and said, Mark, do with that as you see fit. And on there was the word tragedy. Um, <laughs> Uh, thousands dying in Ethiopia is not a, is, is a tragedy. The the uh, the Titanic was a tragedy. Shane Warne getting 99 is not a tragedy. <laughs> so I learned a very good lesson that day from Richie, but started by Shane Warne's 99. I think but, Shane thought it was a tragedy. That'd be fair. He brought it up a lot, Gary. Yeah, but the thing is, he wouldn't have seen it as as, a, as the wrong shot. <laughs> in, if 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 they remake Happy Days, Warney is the Fonz. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he was never wrong. Mitch Mitchell Stark's first delivery of the Ashes didn't swing. <laughs> Every forensic evidence suggested it did. Marcus Stoinis's guns, are they as big as Warnie <laughs> yeah, thinks they that's are? That's true. But he is not wrong in suggesting they're big. Yeah. Riley Meredith should be opening the bowling for Australia. Not if he can't get Wiggers for Tasmania. But Warnie, <laughs> if you, we never got him, like, Fonz couldn't say, I was woo, woo, woo. <laughs> that was Shane. The, oh, Shane never said it. But I think it's quite remarkable to show the stature of the man already announced by the Prime Minister Scott Morrison and the Victorian Premier Dan Andrews that they've offered the Warren family a state funeral. That's already happened today. A little bit more news. Victorians laying wreaths at the MCG at that fantastic statue of Shane. And in the last couple of hours, a massive announcement. I think this shows the size of the man that uh, the Victorian government, I think it was Martin Pakula, the sports minister, has already announced. Yeah, there's a little can of VB in there on that, uh, on that statue that the Great Southern Stand will be renamed the SK Warren Stand Ooh. as soon as possible. And I just think that shows the stature of the man. This is normally a six-month process. The Victorian government have come out today and said, right, it's going to be the SK Warren Stand. And, and I think that's terrific. I really do. And I, I think because Warney was one of those guys who actually changed the game, very few of us who play the game are lucky enough. It doesn't matter if you play one test or, or 145, as I think. Very, very few people get to change the game. 
Warney, when he came in to cricket, um, particularly test match cricket, the game was about fast bowling. It was about intimidation. It was about, uh, and as a batsman, you had to weather the storm and then try and flourish when bowlers tied. The West Indies were the, the best side from probably about 1980 to 1995 or close to it. And along came Warney in the early 90s and made spin bowling fashionable. Intimidated batsmen through his bowling, his mental aggression mm. more so than his physical, and brought back the subtleties and the art of slow bowling, which I think has been a real gift to the game and actually changed the game for the better. And that's why I, I think I applaud the Victorian government or whoever's involved to the SK Warren stand. I, I, I look forward to calling that at some stage from a commentary box next year. Just briefly, guys. Uh, yep. I had it. Warnie and I chatted death during the Sydney test. And I talked to him about a former great Australian who said, I want a big funeral with thousands there and a lot of love. And you know what Warnie said? He said, uh, I don't need that. I want everybody that comes to my funeral to have respected my life. Mm. And I think he's going to get that. Yep. I'm sure he will, um, and the MCG would probably be a fitting venue for that. Yeah. We're going to hear from one of his former captains, Alan Border, shortly, but before that, let's hear from the current Australian captain, Pat Cummins. Warney was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer, and his records will live on forever. Um, we all grew up watching Warney, idolising him. We all had posters on his wall, um, had his earrings, um, we, we, we love so much about Warney, um, you know, his showmanship, his charisma, his tactics, the way he, he just willed himself and the team around him to win games for Australia and probably above all else his incredible skill as a leg spinner. Uh, there's so many guys in this team and squad who uh, you know, still hold him as a hero, their all-time favourite player and the loss that we're all trying to wrap our heads around is huge. Um, it's been a really tough day, a couple of days for Australian cricket after the passing of Rod. We just wish you know, the best to both families, especially Shane's parents and his kids. The game was never the same after Warney emerged and the game will never be the same after his passing. Rest in peace, King. That's what so many people knew him as, King. And if you would go to a test match, Shane would walk out on the ground and it would be Pat Cummins or Manus Labuschagne or David Warner, whoever it was, would go up and they'd have these animated discussions and Shane would start saying, we should do this, we should do that. And the players would take it in. As Pat so eloquently said, so many of them looked up to him. A man that was there right at the start of his career as the Australian captain of Shane at the time is the great Alan Robert Border. He joins us now, AB. It's been a tough time, mate. You've lost a couple of your close mates, Dean Jones, Rod Marsh. And now the great Shane Warne. Firstly, how are you? And it's lovely to see you. Uh, look, I, I've been better, I've got to say. I uh, haven't had a lot of sleep since uh, one o'clock last night. Um, you know, just trying to sort of uh, sink it, uh, stoke it all in. Um, I just couldn't believe it when I first heard the news. And, yeah, you know, when you're up and you hear that, you get it confirmed by Matty Weiss there at Fox. Um, oh, I shed a few tears and then started drinking some um, whiskey and guava juice of all things, just to, you know, just ease the pain, I suppose, just doing uh, you know, walkthroughs and thinking about, um, you know, the good times with Warney and, um, you know, just, uh, just not, not quite believing what had just happened. 
Uh, AB, it's Tubbs here, mate. Um, we chatted not that long ago on the phone and you've had a couple of, well, we've all had a very tough week, I dare say, in cricketing terms, but you've lost two really close mates. Backers from your early days of your career and now Warney. Um, just give us your memories, your, your fondest memories of those two guys who are both legends of the game. Yeah, look, um, with Bacchus, it, it probably started on day one. You know, I'm, I'm a young uh, cricketer. I've survived the um, merge, if you like, between um, the establishment and World Series cricket. It got to be back together in the 79-80 season, and I was one of the four players who survived that um, purge. And so I was just a young player. You know, I didn't know Lily Marsh Chapel uh, at all, and um, so I just sort of promised myself that I'd just sit in the corner and I didn't leave the dressing room at night till they left. Well, uh, soon found out that uh, one Rodney William Marsh didn't leave the dressing room till all the beers had been drunk. So I had a pretty tough initiation um, as far as uh, drinking beer and then turning up to play cricket the next day after a you know, late-ish uh, session in the, in the change room. So, yeah, that was my first uh, Rod Marsh... Uh, um, story if you like and uh, we became you know great mates um, I think just the fact that I I stayed in there and I chatted and I learned so much about the game from you know the, the three greats and then Ian Chappell uh, was picked uh, for later test matches and uh, just you know being in the same dressing room as those guys it was just unbelievable I, I you know still pinch myself to this day you know you know how, how good that was for my cricketing education and then Shane himself, AB, you were there right at the start. The bloke with the blonde tips came into the side. What, what was your initial thoughts when the Victorian walked into the sheds ready to roll with that baggy green cap and the earring on? <laughs> We've just been down to Bondi to pick up uh, the local surfy. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a bit roly-poly in, the, in those days, Shane, and he had the peroxide blonde hair. And, you know, he, he came into the, uh, the rooms and, and the first practice session, you know, you could just sort of feel that you know, there's something about this kid, you know, he had a, a quiet confidence, uh, you know, very naive at that point, but, yeah, it was just something about him that, um, you know, is engaging, you know. Um, uh, he, he just gets you talking and, and you just like him straight away and uh, that was the case with me. Um, so I'd heard good things uh, from Jim Higgs, who was a selector, uh, about this kid and uh, he bowls a, you know, ripping leg spinner and, you know, the, the sessions went and, and uh, you know, Warney, um, unfortunately for him, you know, didn't sort of um, have the most auspicious start, uh, one for 150. But, uh, you know, I put my arm around him at the end of the sort of game and I just thought, mate, there's something about you. I like you. I like the way you go about things. And he he just took things on board, mate, uh, so quickly. Um, you know, as you experienced, you know, he, he was just a phenomenal sponge and just uh, from... When he played that first day, getting uh, one for 150 to say that gatting ball in 1993, I mean the the change in him was just incredible in a very short space of time. You know, he was the real deal. He had all the tricks and yeah, you know, the confidence and all the rest of it. Yeah, you know? so yeah, he um, he told me the story about uh, when he went in to get uh, pick up his uh, air ticket and baggy green cap that. Um, he had a huge night the night before, you know, on learning of, on learning of his selection. And, of course, um, when he uh, opened the door to go into the Australian Cricket Board offices, he didn't quite make it to the toilet and had a big chunder over Graham <laughs> Holden. 
I think he was the was he the CEO at the time. I can't remember whether he was two or three, but um, yeah, a good solid start from Warney um, on, on you know meeting the Australian Cricket Board that um, have just selected you and uh, here's your cap and jumper and dig it and good luck, mate. You know it uh, it was uh, you know just typical uh, Warn uh, start to things. You know he's just uh, he, he had a habit of um, you know. Uh, Causing drama, if you like. He was that sort of character. We love you, AB. We are thinking of you. Uh, give your loved ones a hug and thanks for having a chat with us on this special celebration of Warney and what he's done for so many people in this part of the world. Uh, mate, look, at uh, you know, we've lost two special people, but particularly Warney. Um, you know, it doesn't get much better. Just one of the great guys. You know, what you see via commentary and 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 comments on, on cricket is, is not necessarily the... the the Shane Warren we know and, and, and you guys know from behind the scenes. He's, he's a very generous man, uh, great father, and, and you know, the, the, his family are going to miss him terribly, as, as we all do. Thank you, Alan. We appreciate the time of the former Australian captain. Yeah, he was a star, Kerry. Obviously, you commentated on his career, and then he sat beside you in the commentary box. How, how did you used to go into a stint when Shane was there beside you? Well, I, I wanted to pick his brain because nobody knew leg spin like Warney knew leg spin. Mm. And, um, and I, I, I study it, but I haven't got a 700 test wicket um, <laughs> compendium of knowledge. <laughs> and Shane had it. And he, and he had how to... See, if, if you could freeze Shane Warne's brain about how to bowl leg spin successfully, that is the, the, the trademark for every leg spinner coming through. Because he knew, and I asked lots of leg spinners who were so talented in the state system, and they all said, we wish we had Shane's mind. Mm. And that's what I wanted to, to pick in the commentary box, because it just, when he unloaded his knowledge of spin, it, it just dropped your jaw. 708 test wickets. I, I still sit here beside the both of you and can't actually believe that we're talking about the passing of Shane. It, it just seems so, so quick um, and again as we said at the start all our thoughts are with uh, Shane and uh, his family and his children Ian Healy a man that spent well alongside Adam Gilchrist a lot of time behind the stumps with Shane Warren joins us now Mark Howard here Heels uh, wonderful to see you as well on a difficult day for everyone that knew Shane you find out overnight what are your thoughts I thought it was a scam first. Uh, a plus 91 number rang at 12.34 and I sort of just hung that up and said, geez, they're getting worse, these scammers, and then read a headline, or, you know, Helen yelled out about a headline and it was still disbelief. We had to read again and, uh, yeah, it's no better now, actually. Uh, Heels, Tubbs here, mate. Um, you and I, I reckon, had the best seat in the house. Um, with Shane Warne. You, you with the gloves on and I spent a lot of time at First Slip. Uh, tell us your recollections of, of, of keeping to Warne, uh, standing behind the stumps, watching what he could do with the ball and enjoying, I, I suppose, uh, being the, the guardian of the stumps as Shane Warne was bowling. Well, our seats were a lot better than batting against him, mm. weren't they? Uh, we just had to defend. We had to catch any edges. We had to catch anything that came through. We had extra time on the batsman. The, bat the batsman had to try to get it earlier than us and score runs off it. And he had the great ability to bowl like that to a left-hander 
and then the next ball, if he had to, he could bowl well to a right-hander. That's unusual for a, for a leg spinner. They, they used to have to take more time to adjust their lines and their lengths and their speeds. He had the ability to do it within a ball. And you can see he's left-handed success, he's got right-handed success, he's got sliders, he's got spinning deliveries that can claim a wicket. So, and, and you know, as well as that variety, I think his greatest attribute was his accuracy. He, he could put it there for hours and make run scoring so difficult for the best batsman in the world. Um, and just so energetic, wasn't he? He was just full on. The days, what about the days where he'd go to batsman who'd hit him for six? Someone hit him for six and went, oh, I didn't know you were that good. Now, I'm going to bowl you the same ball again, all right, and you make sure you play the same shot, all right, and see how you go. And the batsman's sort of going to us, he won't, really. And and I was sort of saying, yeah, yeah, I think he will. I think he will. And the, and the batsman didn't. He'd, he'd block the same ball, would come down, he'd block it and go, oh, you weak so-and-so. And you're never getting an easy delivery again, mate. And that was one ball out of what could have been 30 overs for the day. He, he was just full-on ball after ball after ball. We were just looking at the, the hat-trick. Uh, David Boone taking the catch. You were there. He was obviously the famous ball of the century. Boy, gee, you had some historic moments there behind the stumps when he was bowling. Just when you look at the highlights, there's Healy with his hand in the air time and time again. Yeah, it was good. I, I think uh, Tubby got more at first slip than I got. I, th I think last time we looked, Tubby, I had 48 for warning and you had 55. So then throw Gilly into there and Gilly's first slip, um, you know, the, the Lily-Marsh combination of 95, warning probably had uh, more than that uh, with his wicketkeeper. Um, so, you know, two legends uh, that, that we're talking about there. I say that Warney's the best bowler there's ever been. I'm not sure whether you guys agree with that, but it's hard to uh, lose a discussion on it. Uh, Heels, can you tell us what you said to Warnie? Because I'm never sure you've told me the truth uh, to, about the Bassett Alley dismissal at the SCG. Last ball of about day three, uh, Bassett Alley was just blocking everything and Warnie was around the wicket. You went up and said something to him and then he bowled him through his legs. Come on, tell us what, be truthful, tell us what you said to him. Even you've got the story mixed up now. <laughs> I wanted to get off the field more than Basad Ali. Right? So, but, but as you know, Basad Ali was the biggest time waster there was. And so here was Morning's chance to keep him out there four more minutes than he wanted to be out there. So he called me up most deliveries that over, didn't he? He yep. said, Heels, Heels, come up here. No, I've got, I want to get off the field too. I've had a long day. And, and so he finally got me about the fourth ball, I reckon. And we stood there. We said nothing. I said, well, what are you doing? Right, what are you doing? Like, he said, oh, no, i just got to keep him out here, this bloke. And then, and then I, he said, well, we better tell what what I bowl. I said, just rip a leggy. And, and, you know, there was no need to talk about what we were doing for dinner that night because I knew, knew that. It would be lasagna with our mushrooms. It would be... Um, chips. Uh, what's, Side what's of chips. Pizza, or we're going to McDonald's to get three cheeseburgers again and take the patties out. But, so, you know, so just as I'm walking off, I said, rip a leggy, and only one could do it. Bounce, it's the outside leg, between the legs, hits the stumps, and I finally get off the field. <laughs> Heels, uh, Skull here. How many times uh, did you read him uh, his bag of tricks? Did you did you pick them halfway through his release position? No, you, 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 he was easy to read, as as you know, Skull. It, it, you could read him from the clubhouse, and that's <laughs> that's what makes his seven hundred eight uh, dismissals 
even more credible. You know, they knew what was coming, and he still got them out by grinding them out, sometimes ripping them out with big leggies. Um, other times like that, Richie Richardson just couldn't score for ages, and then he slides a one that kept low. Um, how silly were we not picking him in one day as long as we waited to put him in that one-day team? But, uh, yeah, he, he had uh, the ability to a number of ways to get people out, uh, wear them down or rip them out, uh, but very easy to read. Ian, we really appreciate your time. Stay safe. Thanks for giving us some of your thoughts on the great Shane Keith Warren. Nice to be with you guys. Oh, got it. What a catch. What a great catch from a young cricketer who has had a tremendous match. Magnificent slipper, what a ripper, according to Bill Laurie. Before we get to his slip fielding with you, Tub, and you spent so much time beside him, a couple of tests ago, the yeah. day night test, Shane was not happy where the Australian Corn were. If you weren't aware, it was brought up several times through the coverage skull, and then he was out there doing demonstrations, he was chatting the players, yeah. move up, move up. Yeah. And we saw how good in the slips he was, but we've all seen Warney's fingers. It was like ten sausages <laughs> catching mm. a giant onion. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At <laughs> a Barbie. Yeah, you, you were there beside him, Tub. Yeah, and uh, he would love the fact that we're chatting about his feeling because it, it was often underrated. I, I, I don't put him in the Mark War category. Mark War was in a league of his own. Um, but Shane Warne, very sound slipper, very good all-round cricketer. We've, that, we've already acknowledged that. Over 3,000 test runs without making 100, I think, the most by any cricketer. Oh, 708 wickets and some very good catch as well. Here's a couple where he actually made a catch. And that's what I was always told by people like uh, Bob Simpson and Ian Chappell, two of the great slippers of all times, said, as a slipper, catch what you should catch. And if you can make a couple every now and then, you're, you're a very good slipper. Well, Shane Warne did that. Did it really well. Indeed. You're talking about a man that can take catches. I think Adam Gilchrist is ready to join us from the West. A great mate of Shane's. And as we spoke to Ian Healy, a man that spent a lot of time behind the stumps to Shane. Gilly, uh, shocking news, tragic news, devastating news. I'm not sure how you're coping with it at this stage, mate. Yeah, g'day, Howie, Skull and Tubbs. Uh, firstly, you're doing an amazing job uh, under duress. It's, um, yeah, I, th I think stunned, uh, a bit numb, can't quite really believe what's happened on the back of what we've already spoken about and you guys have covered so beautifully as well as uh, the passing of, of our good friend Rod, um, who was my absolute hero uh, and the reason I went on the journey I went on and I feel blessed that, that Rod entered my life in the way he did, having been such an inspiration. But then uh, I, I threw a message out there on social media and I've said this so many times to so many people, the highlight of my cricketing career was to wicketkeep to Shane Warne and I watched and listened with great interest heels there and I feel like we were thieves in the night, the two of us pretty much being the only two. Phil Emery did it for one test but the, the heels and I 
the best seat in the house to watch a maestro at work. Uh, feel like we were, we've um, done the wrong thing by society to steal those seats for so long. But gee, it was it was a highlight. It was the best part of the game. And for a batter or a hundred on test debut is what you're searching for. Uh, for a bowler, it's five. Uh, well, for a wicketkeeper, I can promise you a leg side stumping off Shane Warne was uh, the highlight for me. That was a hundred on debut and. Uh, forever grateful for having had the cricket experience with him and uh, and the shared friendship with him and that was just as we all know at Fox Cricket the last four years has just been so much fun with him. Gil you're our de facto captain of the Fox Cricket team uh, what a tough week you've had kid uh, Lismore your hometown under flood you've lost Rod Marsh and Shane Warne to, to people you admired greatly how are you bearing up fella? Uh, yeah, mate. Like, like everyone, it's, it's been it has been tough. It's been emotional, and and you go your highs and your lows, and you. you I think what we know, particularly with Warnie and even with Rod, the memories are going to be amazing because they created so many memories, and they were so generous with their time and their their fellowship and their their desire to be in a team. But um, some really really sad times, calling around guys, trying to get around and speak to people. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's been an it is an extraordinary time, and um, but the 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 celebration will be amazing because they are two gentlemen that need to be celebrated, and that's uh, well you you said it yourself, Skull. But what what Warney said, he just wants people to respect his life, what he's achieved, and uh, he knew how to have a good time as as well as anyone. Uh, Gilly, speaking of challenges. It- Give us an idea of what it was like, the challenge of, of keeping to someone like Warner. You, you came into the Australian cricket side after Ian Healy had been captain for 120 test matches, a lot, lot of pressure there, and then you've got to keep to someone like Shane Warne. Was it daunting to start with? Or did, you, did you think you were up to it, up to that challenge? Yeah, it was, it was the greatest challenge for me, probably psychologically tough, just knowing... because. As I said, Rod, Rod Marsh was my hero right from childhood. But then Ian Healy became a hero of mine because he was in the position that I would love to be. And I didn't say that in a way that I, I needed him out of there. I just idolised Heels and the way he went about his business and, and how perfect he was to Warney and his keeping in general. But, uh, but yeah, so that was always going to be the greatest challenge. I was fortunate to have a couple of years in the one-day setup um, where I was familiar with Warney. I did go to Shane and legend will have it that he didn't train a lot and, and uh, we all know what he was like. But I went to him as soon as I was in that one day team said at the end of training, can you bowl three, four more overs just to me to get familiar and get, get that partnership? And he did that very willingly, uh, showed me all his tricks and toys. And But as Heels just said, he, he wasn't that challenging to pick out of the hand, but there's a big difference between picking it and then being in the right position, as any batter would know, to play it, but then to be keeper and be in the right position to accept a dismissal. But um, it was the greatest challenge. It was the greatest thrill. And just being on that joyride with Warney on and off the field has been uh, simply extraordinary. Gilly, just before we let you go, we've had the pleasure of working with him at Fox Cricket. And this is a celebration of Warney. The, the things that stick in my mind is we'd, you know, you'd have your chicken Caesar salad and he would have his, his sandwich with extra butter with the chips on it, with the extra butter on there. For those that might not be aware, and people call him a larrikin, do you recall the day that the Prime Minister Scott Morrison was coming into the box at the SCG and uh, where Shane was at the time? 
I don't know exactly where he was, and so do you. He had his shoes off. He was <laughs> off shift. He walked off his last stint, took his shoes off. He might have even unbuckled his belt just to loosen it up and relax a bit, but slipped under the table in the breakout room in the commentary area. So it was just the two stumpy legs and the feet with no shoes on out as the Prime Minister came in with his uh, all the protocols. And <laughs> Someone might have kicked him at the time and he might have ruffled and got up. I don't know. I can't recall. But uh, he... he Look, he just did things his own way. So that's probably one thing we shouldn't have been surprised about today. Nothing was by the book from Warney, um, and that's what made him so generous in spirit and, and heart and uh, is such a wonderful person to be around. Good on you, mate. We appreciate your time. Look after yourself. We love you. Thanks for sharing your short thoughts about us with your great mate, Warney. Thanks, guys. It's great to to be able to chat with mates and, and share these stories and memories. May they be good one. Just before we get to our, our next guest, Shane was asleep under the table and his protocol and security came in and said, someone's going to have to wake him up. We all stood back. We're not waking him up. And a lovely lady by the name of Sarah from Cricket Australia just gave him a bit of a nudge and then he was up, fixed his hair and met the Prime Minister and away he went. Yeah. And that was Shane. Only one man uh, in the spinning department or in any department has taken more test wickets than Shane Warne. And we are blessed to now have him on the line Matire Muraliteran. Murali, Mark Howard here, mate. It's an unfortunate situation that we're speaking to you in, but it is great to see you. Tell us some of your thoughts on what is going through your mind when you've woken up today with the passing of your great mate, Shane Warne. Uh, yesterday night I heard the news and it was very shocking. We never believed it because I was asking the people, is it true or it's a uh, fake news? So that kind of a uh, thing and it was shocking and it's very young because 52 years uh, uh, and he's a legend and uh, it's it's a big, big miss for world cricket because even if he's not playing even, uh, he conducted himself in uh, all the media and everything, how he read about the game. And something uh, world is going to miss him because the f- cricket fraternity. So very sad, and uh, I don't know words to say what because it's it's it's, it's very very saddening news. Uh, Matiah, I was lucky enough to play against you and with and against Shane Warne, and I watched both of the ends of both your careers where Warney finishes on seven oh eight Test wickets, you finish on eight hundred. Did you enjoy that battle? Who was going to finish on top? Who was going to be the one to get, to get the most test wickets at the end of their careers? See, I got a little bit of advantage because I was a little bit young. We both same time we debuted in 1991. And uh, also because I was two, three years younger than him. So always I'm going to play a little bit more. So always I had that advantage. If you'd have played the same as me, both of them, you would have got more than me. So that kind of a bowler is. So I was lucky in that. So I enjoyed that battle because with that battle also, uh, our performance also goes up because of uh, we thinking that, okay, we want to beat his record and everything and bowling to the... Anyway, we play for the team and uh, we are not looking at records, but still there is a in the mind you have just to control and uh, how to beat him. So that's also gives some added little bit of um, the performance uh, we want to do. Every match you go, uh, this rivalry was there and also media was also making it big. So it was something fun, fun to enjoy that challenge. Matai, we recently uh, had the wonderful Turi Sri Lankans out here and we were commentating with Shane in the T20 matches. I'm sure you're watching and Russell Arnold was telling us that there were some youngsters in that T20 
team for Sri Lanka that were in the affected areas when the tsunami hit Sri Lanka and how they all wanted to meet Shane because Shane had made the special effort to go to Sri Lanka. I know he's loved around the world. But the charity efforts he put in raising money after your country was devastated by the tsunami, I'm sure he's held in extremely high regard. In fact, a lot of love for Shane for what he did in your part of the world when he was given the opportunity. Yeah, definitely, because that was a great help from him and great gesture from him. And uh, when I met him in the that uh, tsunami match in Melbourne, I asked whether he want to come to Sri Lanka and help because uh, something he can do great. So he... Uh, took it very seriously and he came and helped a lot and uh, our foundation was very very happy to bring him and uh, with that uh, Australia is and also Australian public has helped a lot in tsunami because we would have built close to about thousand houses for the poor people there through uh, so many funds coming from here so Shane was part of it and also uh, he was grateful for us and also he was, he has something, gall was something in his heart that uh, that ground he fell for him. Uh, so, so he came and helped. So that was a great help for us. Matai, we appreciate your time and your recollections. Thanks for joining us, having a chat about your mate Shane Warne. Thank you very much. That's the end of part A of this tribute to Shane Warne. More on part B.